Hello, welcome to Injury Prevention Podcasts. My name is Rod McClure. I'm editor of the BMJ journal Injury Prevention, and each month I chat with a distinguished researcher or practitioner about topics of their interest. Today we have the privilege of having a conversation with Associate Professor Sharon Newnham, who is an organisational psychologist with the Monash University Accident Research Centre at Monash University, Melbourne, Australia. Sharon has been conducting theoretical and applied research in workplace road safety for the past 12 years. Hello, Sharon. Could you start off by introducing yourself a little to the listeners and tell us where you're working at the moment? Uh, Rod, so I am at the Monash University Accident Research Centre and I'm Associate Director of the Systems Safety Team. I've been working at MUARC, which is short for the Monash University Accident Research Centre, now for 10 years. Now, we've met before, so I have got a sense of where your passion lies. So I'm going to start straight off with a question on what does industry or what do practitioners need from researchers? It's such a good question, and I can essentially answer that question by telling you about my journey over the past two years. And what I've come to the conclusion, I'll tell you the end of the story, I suppose, to start off with, is what industry and government as well want is a new version of research. They no longer want these long reports that um, explain data and describe a story. They want these short, sharp reports that tell us the key, tell them the key messages for for solving their problems. And to actually achieve that, you know, one to two page glossy report. It sounds really easy, but it's it's really not quite as easy as it sounds. So just going back a bit, uh, over the last two years, uh, we were Muark was successful in hosting the National Road Safety Partnership Program. So the NRSPP, which is the acronym, it is a program or initiative designed to promote and disseminate information on workplace road safety. And as part of this uh, initiative, the research dissemination and translation is key. So the NRSPP has over 120 key stakeholders from industry and government, and those stakeholders are growing over the years. We, we've recently done an evaluation, and the trajectory is quite strong, which which shows that they're the reputation of the program, but it also particularly shows that having impact at the at, for policymakers. And there's even evidence of impact in change in, in workplace uh, policies, practices and outcomes such as reductions in safety, improvement in safety culture. How this has been achieved is through establishing all recommendations through an evidence base. So this is where the research has come into play. So a lot of the times um, the basic science, let's say, uh, researchers go out, they have a research problem, they design methodology to address that research problem. And they produce a, a publication or um, a, a, a report for industry and government. And 
as part of that, industry and government then use those findings to inform uh, various policies and procedures. And what we've found over the last few years and what I've really learned from the NRSPP in particular is that if we can't, it, we could have the best methodology and we could report the results in such a sophisticated way using really fancy statistical analysis, but unless that we can translate those key messages to industry and government, it means nothing. So how do we effectively translate this information? From a basic science perspective, we write a publication and pub- publish it in a Q1 um, top-tier journal and that's always considered to be th- that's how we do it. You know, the industry and government go out and, and read that publication and we've solved the problem. But now industry and government have that they want um, the effective translation component. So how we've done that, we go and do that basic science. That basic science process does not stop. It's not modified in any way. And I think that that's really important to be able to establish the validity of the research approach, but also the reputation of how we're actually approaching research. But the, the the different or the, the additional component of this is that research translation, which doesn't go at the end of the process. It's embedded from the start. So it's about understanding how industry, not only the research question they want answered and an agreement in terms of the methodology used to address that research question, but it's about ensuring that they're embedded in the research process from the start. And that co-design in any research is really important. So when you're getting to the end of the research project and you've got the key findings, you know even know how they want it presented. So if we know what the key research question is, what their key need is, we can identify in the research program that we have just undertaken how to effectively translate that. And so how I've done that in the past has been through your short reports, infographic reports, that essentially just identify what the key message is. I wouldn't have understood what that key message is unless that uh, the research, the industry and government stakeholders were involved from the start. I know what they want essentially. So you present that in a way that's attractive, digestible, and it's going to attract the attention that you originally set out to achieve. And and for an academic, that's no longer through the publication. It's through this research translation process. Okay, Sharon, can you make that concrete for us with a very specific example? I understand in theory what you're talking about. But can you think of something that you've put through the system beginning to end and uh, what sort of topics and, and what sort of processes and what sort of products has come out of that particular example? Yeah, fantastic. So back in 2018, WorkSafe Victoria funded the development of a tool to investigate uh, patient, uh, injuries to staff resulting from patient handling. So this was designed specifically for the healthcare industry to improve the the safety of workers in the healthcare. Uh, What was very different about this approach is that WorkSafe Victoria and the, the key stakeholders in healthcare were integral to the development of this tool. So how we went about developing this tool is we had a conceptual framework that has been well established in the research literature. So we used a, a systems thinking models and methods to underpin development 
of the tool. We apply those systems thinking principles in our conversations with key stakeholders to ensure that they understood the end objective of what this tool needed to be and the data and the subsequent data that needed needed to come out of, out of this tool. So over a two-year process of developing the tool and implementing it through and reviewing, revising it over the years, um, we were able to produce a tool that was not only usable for industry, it was based on a strong conceptual foundation. So the evidence base was the there. And we knew how to present that data in a way that was going to allow the key stakeholders, not only within the healthcare industry, use the information that came out of that tool to review and revise the risk controls within the healthcare service, but it also allowed WorkSafe Victoria to use the information that came out of the tool to be able to review and revise and develop new guidance material um, to change inspector training, to modify inspector training um, within their regulatory activities. So we, we knew from the outset essentially what needed to be achieved from healthcare, for, from the healthcare perspective, but also from the regulatory perspective too. And the beauty of this tool is that it's, it has been strongly underpinned by the evidence base using systems thinking from the very beginning. So the basic science is well embedded within development of the tool. So the validity is there. It's achieved what it intended to achieve, a systems thinking perspective to investigation of patient handling injuries. I understand. So tell me how much of an engagement uh, do you actually have? So when you say you work with, uh, does this involve, are they part of your team? Do you meet them once a month, once every six months? Can you help us through a little bit? Because the traditional model of research and practice is that we do our research in a lab and then when it's all finished, we give the result to the end user. It doesn't sound to me like that's the way you're working. Can you make it concrete for me, the model of interaction that you have? Oh, that's such a good question. Absolutely. No, the, the key stakeholders are embedded along each stage of the process. So we, I met with WorkSafe Victoria and Healthcare. Um, oh, it would be at least every month within a three-year project. I really relied on them to give me information about not only what they needed, but the context of the healthcare industry. So this tool, what... A great example, I suppose, it's not only about being evidence-based, but it's been feasible and practicable for implementation as well. So we came into this project thinking that we needed to embed those principles of systems thinking um, in the actual tool itself. So when the end users, healthcare practitioners are using this tool, that they could reflect on the systems thinking principles and then that would produce more or better, more quality data, essentially. So it ended up being an eight-page document in the first um, iteration of the tool. And based on the feedback from usability testing, the healthcare sector came back and said, it's too long. Essentially, if you embed these principles of systems thinking well within the training of the tool, then you don't need this additional information. And coming from the academic ivory tower perspective, we were a little bit taken back. Well, what do you mean? You know, you need this information essentially, don't you? Um, but of course they don't. They're practitioners. They, they know what they're doing. And if they're trained well, they, they don't need, need that continuous guidance. So that was a great learning process for 
me and we wouldn't have gotten the tool to a stage that was without accepting that we don't know it all, that we need industry and WorkSafe Victoria to inform development of the tool to make sure that it is feasible and practicable for use. Any evidence-based tool is, is, is going to be, you know, we think it's going to be great, but unless it can be implemented effectively, it's essentially going to fail. Okay, so thinking of the way that I often work with industry in terms of understanding the problem from their perspective and then proposing a process which will deliver a solution for that problem uh, and then talk about what the benefits are for the company if they accept this solution and then what the costs are to them in terms of resources and dollars. If, if I package for our listeners that particular perspective, what you've described to me sounds very much like a methodology and a process for delivering a tool. Can you then go through the other two bits for me so I can just see in my own mind the complete picture? What was the problem again that you were actually addressing here? The problem was that healthcare industry do not take a systems thinking perspective when investigating um, injuries to staff. So the Healthcare and WorkSafe Victoria identified that and went, let's go beyond traditional investigation tools and let's look at a systems thinking approach. Right. Now, it's also a challenge, isn't it? for a lot of people to understand that full systems thinking approach. So in delivering that tool, you've obviously brought your partners along with you in a growth process as much as you've actually delivered a research activity. It's actually been a almost a, a learning cycle for you both in this. Would you, would you say that was true? A hundred percent true. Absolutely. I, I think it was, it, it's good to go into the, pro, the process or any research method thinking that you don't know that you can offer all the answers yourself, that you need the help from the end users, the key stakeholders to be able to, to not only effectively understand the research need, but how to effectively translate that research need into recommendations that are going to have impact. And we can't do that unless that we develop those relationships with the the key stakeholders. Great. So my final question then, because I think we've really explored that now and got a good understanding of what in the modern research world we're sometimes referring to as research translation or or research to practice activity, where there's often a block in that process. You've actually... Describe for us a way to overcome that research to practice block. But how did you as an individual researcher, how did you as a person going through your career, learn how to do this? Because you were pretty much at the, at the forefront of this sort of work. So you must have learned a bit on your own by trial and error. But tell me about your own growth experience since you graduated to, to why you actually recognise the value of a way of working like this. Uh, yes, another good question. Um, I, and I think it's it's, I've always understood from an industry and government perspective that uh, they do not want researchers coming in and telling them that they do not know or understand what the need is or, or how to address, address the problem most effectively. I think academics sometimes have a little bit of, um, there's, a, there's a negative perception of academics, I suppose, this ivory tower perspective. And um, I don't like this elitist type perspective because essentially as a researcher, I want to deliver 
impact. I want to deliver research that has the best impact. And I can't do that without understanding the needs of industry and government. And and how to do that is about developing relationships. And so I it, I fully enjoy under, trying to apply a research ad- agenda to industry, to any needs of industry and government and making suggestions on, on how we can actually address this, this, in, this need. So that relationship development takes time. And I think it's somewhat overlooked in basic science. Um, not somewhat, actually, it's a lot overlooked in basic science because it's not as simple as going into a lab and, and running running a few tests and coming back and saying, here's your solution. It's that implementation, um, particularly in the work that I do, that if we can't effectively implement, it's useless. This this beautiful basic science research with, with this um, A-star uh, research design means nothing. So we need to develop that relationship with industry and government to be able to effectively understand that need how my journey, I suppose, over time, um, relating to my journey, it's particularly in the last two years with uh, working with the National Road Safety Partnership Program, where I have have learnt from those that are just so expert in developing these relationships. And the director of the National Road Safety Partnership Program, uh, Jerome Carslake, is just so good at that. Uh, takes the time to develop the relationships and, and takes the time to really understand what those needs are of industry and government and then connect with the right academics and to other industry and government to answer those needs. So it's a very inclusive type approach. And it's coming from that perspective that we don't know it all. And just accepting that you don't know it all, that others can actually provide significant input to make impact is something that's really important to to achieve um, the end result. So uh, working with Jerome over the last couple of years has given me a lot of insight into, into how to uh, you know, effectively translate um, impactful research and and part of the approach in doing that is being able to present it in a very digestible form. So it's getting those results at the end and it's working with those that are expert in graphic and communication design to help develop um, outputs such as fact sheets, um, such as the, the even this tool, this tool that I was referring to in from WorkSafe Victoria, through the training even through use of animated videos, it just creates this um, th- th- this process, I suppose, that it goes way beyond basic science, and looks at the how we can effectively use basic science to create significant impact, not only in the development of evidence based based products, but in the effective implementation to ensure that it's feasible and practical for use within the, the, the target audience. And I know it's really dangerous trying to summarise uh, the vitality of a 20-minute conversation in, in three lines, but just the last answer you gave, uh, three things struck me you know, in the face, really. If you can't implement it, it's useless. It's all about relationships, and you've got to start off thinking you don't know it all. I think uh, they're absolute take-home messages for a lot of researchers and practitioners too, I guess. So thank you very much for your time today. It's been an insightful and informative conversation, and I very much look forward to seeing how your next piece of work goes. Fantastic. Thanks, Rod. Today we've been 
chatting with Associate Professor Sharon Newnham from Monash University Accident Research Centre. For those of you wishing to learn more about some of the topics we've discussed today, I'd invite you to visit the journal's website at injuryprevention.bmj.com. Remember, you can download injury prevention podcasts on the first Thursday of each month from your favourite platform or app.